Hi ho, it's off to work we go. <laughs> Welcome to LMNOP, the podcast about the best show on television, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Huh? Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That's not a TV show. But it does have cutscenes and it is on my TV. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count. And the amount of time I've put into it is is almost like a full season of a sitcom. Five hours? Five hours, yeah. It's like, you can get like three episodes in an hour. That's like 15 episodes. It's a short season. Yeah, that's a really short season. All right, fine. I put, let's put this on pause. I'll come back five hours later once I've got the full season of Assassin's <laughs> Creed Odyssey out of the way. How many times in Friends did the Watcher have to sneak around and kill uh, the coffee shop guy? <laughs> uh, it was like three times. It was every other season. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good plot device, so they wanted to use it multiple times. But they didn't want to overuse it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's not. What we're, it's, we're not talking about that. Well, we're not talking about it now. I mean, we are. Na- no, starting now. Starting right. Odyssey. Starting now. Starting now. We're talking about the greatest show on television that's a TV show. Oh. Elementary. Elementary. By CBS. With Johnny Lee Miller. And Lucy Liu. Wow. Mm-hmm. Today we are talking about season two, episode two. It's two squared, you could say. Huh? Ah, you could say that we're two squares. Oh. <laughs> oh. This episode is called Salt for X. I am your host, Belle Flight Cub, and uh, my, my divorce lawyer is solving for X along the axis of wife. Oh, and I am loving your new hair. That's your... No, I'm just telling you. Well, thank you. You look great. Thanks. My hair's green now. Yeah. It's like the sea. It's a... Anyway, I'm yeah. Alec, a.k.a. 5318008. <laughs> Math. Math. Some of you may recognize that as the constant, the mathematical constant for boobies. Yeah, two perfectly uh, wonderful curves <laughs> on, a, on a graph. With two important points. <laughs> uh, and a line between them. No. Well, it's a math joke because uh, solve for X is, is algebra. 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 Okay, but you're saying bra. Oh, like bra. Like, yeah. oh, because we're doing the boobies. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say algebra, but like algebra. I don't understand. You... There's no relation to anything. I just wanted to say it. Why and... did you start your sentence with, because it's a math joke? So they knew. Uh-huh. I didn't want anyone confused. Uh-huh. So something that I thought was interesting was this episode name, Solve for X, it might be because it's like a episode about math and it's like the most boring math Think, it's like the first thing you think of when you're trying mm-hmm. to think of like a witty phrase. Or it could kind of be a spoiler. 
like a mid-episode spoiler because someone's ex isn't is involved. I have absolutely no idea what you were talking about. You remember less of the episode than you think you do. Mm-hmm. Did you like this episode? I didn't. <laughs> you didn't? No. <laughs> you know what? I'm sick of it. Uh, 26 episodes in. It's about time we had a bad episode. <laughs> and here it is. Math. Who cares about math? Joan looked like shit in this episode. <laughs> and someone was shirtless and it wasn't Sherlock. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, Sherlock was also shirtless. I took a note. I took a specific note of a time that he took his shirt off because I liked it. But this is sarcasm. We liked the episode. Sure. Go right? ahead and just speak for us. That's what I th- That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did like it. This episode I thought was uh, the, st- the twists were very straightforward. It's like, it's this person. No, it's this person. Yeah, it, I no, just, it's it wasn't as exciting as other episodes, but it was still fine. I thought it was a lot easier to follow. Which is ironic, because it's maths. It's, it's maths not for everybody. Hmm. Some people are not smart enough for maths. But you don't need to have a high IQ to watch this show and like it. It's elementary. We do, but you don't have to have it. <laughs> we are very smart. We're extremely smart. Yeah, we just finished an Agatha Christie book, and I got half of the murder right. Uh-huh. And I guessed that thing about the baby in that other Agatha Christie book we read. Mm-hmm. So, we're geniuses. We could we could do Sherlock and Jones's job. Pretty sure. You <laughs> just, like, ask people questions and things fall into place. Yeah. You just have to stare at the wall for a couple of hours <laughs> in the middle of the night. Just to write the, the same name over and over on different post-it notes. <laughs> and eventually, that person will visit you in your home. <laughs> So, let's get into the episode, shall we? Yeah. So, it starts with a guy getting mugged, and the mugger is like, give me everything you got! And the guy's like, please, I don't want any trouble. So, he gives the mugger his wallet, mm-hmm. and the mugger runs off. Well, not before smacking the dude in, his, in the face with his pistol. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he runs off. Mm-hmm. And then, he runs into the alley to count his loot, and... He hears gunshots, he looks up, and there's somebody, he watches somebody get shot in the building, like, right next to him. And then the door opens to the building and, like, somebody comes out. And the mugger says, please, I don't want any trouble. Oh, wonder wonder where he got that phrase from. Yeah. And then, pop, pop, he gets killed. Mm. Which, I mean, the mugger, you know. That's karma. It's karma, but it's it's not proportional because he just bonked that guy. He didn't kill him. And stole all of his money. Yeah, but he was- That guy kept all of his money in that wallet. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't believe in banks. That's his- I think that's on him then. Well, okay, so now we're just supposed to trust the banks? Uh-huh. More like the banks of the river where I keep my cash in a big barrel. No, I don't. Who said that? <laughs> what, I don't keep What my- river? Huh? What? <laughs> Don't swim in the Charles. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, don't. Don't go looking for it. It's not under the bridge. So that's our first little intro to the um, the crime. And now we cut to Joan. And she is at a symmetry. A symmetrical symmetry? Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> cemetery. She's at a cemetery. Uh. And she's, you know, paying respects to somebody. And this guy... It's, it's not a full Terry. It's a cemetery. Semi-Terry. <laughs> Semi-Terry. And this young guy comes up 
And he's like, oh, dog, fancy seeing you here. Wow. He's got flowers, too. He's clearly, you know, going to pay his respects to the same person. And, you know, you get the vibe. Well, no, he's. It, you learn that this is the son of the guy who died. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, hey, why don't I buy you a coffee? Why don't, let's hang out. One, Just one coffee. Let's catch up. And Joan says, oh, I'm supposed to meet a friend I work with. Because they're friends and they work together. <laughs> she could have said anything. Mm-hmm. A co-worker. I'm supposed to go to work right now. A colleague. I'm supposed to meet my friend. I'm supposed to meet my colleague. She said both because they're both. <laughs> Fun fact on the side as well. This kid is played by Jeremy Jordan, who is like one of four Broadway actors who's in a bunch of TV shows for no reason. Hmm. And he's never in like a big role. Like he was in... Um, I bet he was on uh, Law and Order. He must have been. Oh, I'm 100% sure of it. My, my college girlfriend and I, we would go see a lot of uh, theater productions and we'd always go looking through the, the resumes of the cast in the playbill and like 70% of people have been on... Some form of Law and Order. Oh yeah, yeah. If you live in New York and you're a working actor, you've been on Law and Order. They need dead bodies. They do. He was on Smash. He's in Super Smash Brothers. No. <laughs> uh, I vaguely know Smash. That's like a sing-songy thing. Let me be a star. Yeah, sing-songy. That yeah. It's a show about writing a musical, but it's not a musical itself, which is confusing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he's like, who's the guy that plays the king in the original Hamilton? Jonathan Groff. Yeah, he's like maybe number four if Jonathan Groff is like number one or two. And then Aaron Tveit and the guy from Book of Mormon. They're just like Broadway actors who are in stuff randomly. Anyway, it's not important. It's kind of a small role in this show. Anyway, we cut to Marcus at the crime scene of the, the mugger. And Sherlock comes up and he says, hey, Marcus, sorry I'm late. And Marcus says, you're not late. You texted me saying you had heard about this shooting on your police scanner and I told you not to come and you're here anyway. And Sherlock's like, hmm, no, I'm pretty sure you want me here because you texted me back. Yes, please. Now, triple smiley face with tongue protruding and shows Marcus's (laughs) phone. And Marcus looks at it and says, this was a text from... Months ago from a girl named Bella, not Belle. I'm Belle. I can imagine why you get it mixed up. It's not like you have an eye for details. <laughs> and Sherlock's like, oh, how embarrassing. Well, well, now that I'm here. Yeah. So do you think he was like on the train or in the you know car on the way there, like scrolling through his texts to be like, what can I say I thought was from him? Yeah, right. <laughs> I like that he thinks he even needs to come up with an excuse. Yeah, right. Like, he couldn't just be like, oh, well, I'm here anyway, so... <laughs> I thought you were joking. I thought you were being yeah. sarcastic. Yeah. It's cute. They're cute, I think. My opinion. So they go inside the house because the shooting that the mugger saw was a killing. So there's a body in there. And Marcus is like, this is a math teacher or tutor named Felix Soto. And Sherlock's like, wait, I heard there were two bodies? And Marcus is like, yeah, the other victim, who's the mugger... Um, you know, isn't dead. He's in a vegetative state in the hospital. So they, you know, he was not kept on the scene. (laughs) 
And then Marcus notices that Joan is not there, and he's like, where's your better half? Because they're married. They're work wife and work husband. <laughs> and um, Sherlock is like, anyway, um, <laughs> tell me more about this murder. So they go into this empty room that's like the size of like a bedroom, and it's just, there's no furniture. There's nothing on the walls. Nothing. And... Sherlock is it, like. It also it doesn't even look like what I was looking for was like maybe there were paintings there and they had been stolen, but like the paint didn't look different on the walls. It was just white paint. Also, Marcus was looking for that as well, and there weren't any nail holes or nails in the wall. Right. Well, we had similar ideas, and he f- figured it out differently than me. Right. Because I was- did that I did, before he even said it. I was thinking that. You're learning from watching Sherlock. I'm trying. trying to be observant when I'm watching the show. And Sherlock asks Marcus this, too. He's like, that's very observant of you, Marcus. Have you have you always been this observant? I'm genuinely asking. I wonder if, you know, watching my methods has, has rubbed off on you. And Marcus says... Possibly my favorite line in the entire series. Yeah. You know, before you came along, the whole department never solved a, a single case. We were thinking about just giving up. I had never closed a case. No one had. <laughs> <laughs> just going to let the bad guys win until till you showed up, Sherlock. We're just going to let the city fend for itself. So Sherlock has been sniffing around the walls, and he says, we got to find the lamp, the ultraviolet lamp. Marcus is like, huh? Because Sherlock says, this room is coated, is covered with um, this like kind of invisible ink that smells like a certain ingredient in it. And he's like, smell it, smell the wall. It smells like that. And Marcus does, which I love. And Sherlock's like, this stuff only appears when you have an ultra, when exposed to an ultraviolet light. And he's looking at the lamps in the other room and there's one and he, he sticks his head under the lampshade and like sees what he's looking for. And he pops his head back up and he's got this like very pleased little like <laughs> smile on his face. And he's very excited. Yeah, it's cute because he's just like, ah. um, I tried to take a screenshot of it, uh, but I failed. <laughs> so you can see my failed attempt on Twitter because he just looks, it looks normal in context and very strange in the screenshot. <laughs> but he, he takes the lamp out and he, he puts it in the middle of the room and takes the lampshade off. And it's this black bulb and he turns it on and... There's all this math scribbled on the walls. All over the walls, covered. The whole walls. Equations and th- letters and numbers. You know it's that fancy math when there's letters in there. Oof. And not just when you turn the calculator upside down. <laughs> now, I know that Sherlock said the ingredient that made it a visible in UV light. And it was some phosphorescent something, blah, polycarbonate. I don't know. Hmm. But what if it was sperms? Let's see me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That's a lot of ink for two. For- <laughs> Just, you know, get a get a cup, get a Q-tip. <laughs> <laughs> like, how much can you dilute it and still see it? Mm. That that would be a different experience to smell that room. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would stay invisible for very long. I feel like it would go rancid. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. And also, like, just the walls start to get a weird texture. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gross. 
So anyway, they're looking at all the math on the wall that's in non-semen ink. And <laughs> Marcus is like, what is all this? And Sherlock reminds us that he's British. Because he says, I, I'd like to take a, a stab in the literal dark and say, maths. 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 More than one. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of them. Which, because it's short for mathematics. Uh-huh. But then, but just cut off the end of the word. Right. It's not like it's mathematic. Like, we're never like, I'm going to need a, um, a mathematic <laughs> for this. Do, like, do they say math calculations or do they say maths calculations? Because the adjective version is mathematic. You know? Checkmate, Britons. Yeah. Take that. So now we get our intro. Bunk, 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 bunk. And we cut to Joey and Joan. Oh, the kid's name is Joey, by the way. The cemetery kid. The symmetrical cemetery kid. <laughs> His name is Joey. And Joan are, are in a diner, and they're talking, and he's like, wow, so you're a consulting detective, so you're like a cop. And she's like, no. I'm not a fucking cop. Yeah. <laughs> and he's fun. it's funny. He's like, oh, so you like solve mysteries and take down bad guys. And she's like, it's a little more complicated than that. And I'm just like... That's what you do. That It's not more complicated. Yeah. Than that. Like, you're being humble, Joan. <laughs> they need to get a little more of Hercule Poirot's attitude. Well, <laughs> I guess in a couple seasons, Joan could be a little more Hercule Poirot-ish. Sherlock already is. Uh-huh. <laughs> where Hercule Poirot in, in all the Agatha Christie books is like, so I'm the most famous detective in the world. Um, and I'm really smart and observant. And uh, anyway, I'm kind of a big deal. It's fine. And Sherlock is literally says to Joan in one episode, I'm the smartest man in every room I go to. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he needs any lessons in self-confidence. By the way, speaking of Agatha Christie, (laughs) we watched the Murder on the Orient Express movie. Did we talk about this already? I think so. Okay, but I have to say also, Hercule Poirot, in the books, they say he has mustaches, which I thought just meant like one mustache on each side of his mouth or something. Or, like, maths, it's just a British thing. Yeah. (laughs) But in the movie, he has this, like, mustache wig. I mean, like, the actor has this, like, mustache wig that literally makes it look like he has a mustache and then another mustache on either side of that mustache. Like, parenthetical mustaches. (laughs) It's so great. Anyway. Elementary. The modern-day detective series about Sherlock Holmes and Joan Watson. So Joey explains to Joan... That he actually dropped out of college because he lost his scholarship when his his dad died. He was bummed and he can't go back to school because now his, he doesn't have a scholarship. He's, you know, he can't do it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I bought a bar. I'm going to buy a bar. I didn't buy it yet. And we're looking for investors, me and my friend. It's just like such a weird. I just like feel like it's like kismet that we like are that we that I ran into you. That's so weird. It's like the universe wanted this to happen. Do you ha- want to uh, partake in my investment opportunity? <laughs> and John's like, you want me to give you a loan? Joe's like, no, this is an opportunity for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you're going to make your money back and more. Uh, I, I Double your investment. <laughs> Uh, very believable from a 20-year-old guy. Listen, all I need is for you to recruit three other people. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Joan is like, well, how much do you need? 
And then we uh, we cut to the next scene. So Joan is coming home, and there is a man in the living room, and he's not Sherlock. As you said before, he's not Sherlock, and he has no shirt on. What? Not Sherlock and not shirt? Wow. He's got none of the shirts. And Joan isn't sure who he is. Oh. And he's funny because he, he's like, he turns around and he's like, oh, if you're looking for Sherlock, he's downstairs. And Joan is like, okay. Guess I'll go do that then. <laughs> <laughs> like, Guess I'll ask him who the fuck you are. Yeah. <laughs> Which he does. Um, so this is just, again, I'm constructing a map in my mind of how this apartment is configured because all of the floors look this have the same layout, but they're different. It's confusing, but now we know that the kitchen is downstairs. Yes. It's not on the ground floor. Until it's not, but yeah, for now. <laughs> exactly. So Sherlock explains to Joan that Harlan Empel is a mathematical, you know, expert genius. Harper Embolism? Hardly an empire. <laughs> so super smart, he's a super smart math guy? So, Handy Expert said... <laughs> so, Sherlock explains... That was my nickname in college. <laughs> mm, you're expert at giving yourself a handy. Yeah. <laughs> I know just what I like. <laughs> so, Sherlock explains to Joan that um, Handy Expert is here because, you know, he's uh, he's consulting with them about what the math is that these... this. That they found in this guy's apartment. And he likes to take his shirt off because he doesn't like anything to be between him and the math. Gotta be close to the math. Uh-huh. Soak it in. Gotta be re- just rub up on it. It's a mm-hmm. good thing he's not in that room. Yeah, oh, yeah. With the semen ink. He'd wipe it all away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, what is this extra mark here? And he's like, oh, no, that's uh, new. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> and Sherlock says, like, Joan, I know you get weird about this kind of thing, so I have given him a little bell to ring if he needs to become fully nude. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Thank you for the warning and the bell. (laughs) Bing! (laughs) What does he hit the bell with? Right? (laughs) He's not able to hit it with his pants on. (laughs) So, Sherlock is in the kitchen, and he is making eggs. Does he know how to cook a second food? No. And why would he need to learn how to when he already knows how to cook a food? <laughs> Eggs are everything you need to make a bird. How could it not be everything you need to make a person? <laughs> he also puts it on toast. So, you know, that's two things. Yes, toast is quite complicated. Yeah, does toast count as cooking? Mm. Putting bread into a box. Cook it again! What you do with bread? <laughs> yes. Yes. You cook the bread again. So. Did you see the Reddit post? That was, um, it was New Year's Eve. And uh, this guy's little daughter was, um, I heard them say that like on New Year's Eve, you make a toast. And so <laughs> she made like toast and, and butter for, <laughs> for everybody. Oh. He was like, ah, it's a new family tradition. <laughs> That's great. Make start a, the make year toast. off. Start the year off with nutrition. Some whole grains. So Joan asks Sherlock if she can get an advance on her salary because not because she's bad with money, but because she's already maxed out her IRA contributions and she can't take it back out without getting penalties, well, whatever. 
I just want to put it on record. It's not that Joan doesn't have that money. It's that she's being smart. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Sherlock is like, well, how much do you need? And she says, $5,000. And Sherlock, like, clangs his plate. And she's like, it's for a son of a friend. He's looking to open a bar and he needs investors. And Sherlock's like, wow, you must really believe in this kid. And Joan does not say yes. (laughs) She's like, I just want to see how far he gets with it or something like that. So Sherlock, I think, is about to be like, uh, that's not very convincing. When Harlan um, yells out that he has solved, well, no, he hasn't solved it, but he's figured out what the guy, what what the math is. What the math is? Mm-hmm. What the math? What the math? What the function? <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, first of all, Harlan is like, "This guy was a genius," and Sherlock's like, "Um, it's two guys," and Harlan's like, "Huh?" And Sherlock defers to Joan. To explain that this guy's P's and D's are looped back instead of um, doubled over, which means it's most likely a guy. And, you know, half of the writing slants one way and the other half slants another way. So it's two writers. And And only half of the I's are dotted with hearts. Right. (laughs) Do you do this with your P's? Do you loop them back? I don't know what that means. I, I, I do a P just like that. A line down Two and then... Two separate lines. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so a, a loop back would be like you go down on the P and then you go back up to get the... Oh, yeah. P part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you do with your P part? <laughs> I just dangle it down and wave it around. Is it more likely that men write P's like that because they kind of, if you make the loop big enough and then the the front of the P is like a ball, it looks kind of like a pee and ball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Con- you know how in Disney World, uh, they they hide uh, hidden Mickey's everywhere. Uh huh. Yeah, I I hide hidden penises in my calligraphy. Mm. You don't even do it on purpose, or do you do it on purpose? I, I it's it's second nature by now. It just happens. Mm-hmm. It's programmed into you. Mm-hmm. Incredible. We're learning things about men. So speaking of peas, this thing that these two guys were working on was a a problem called p versus np which is p versus not p right it's like when you are on an airplane and you're in the middle seat so you do have to pass someone but you kind of have to pee and Mm -hmm. it's like or when you're on an airplane and you go into the bathroom and you see liquid on the seat and you're like is that p or not p mm-hmm Right. So we already, we're already familiar with the concept of P versus NP, but um, these guys were apparently months or weeks away from solving this problem, which, to explain in layman's terms, because that's what I am. You're, you're not a lame man. You're wicked cool. Well, thank you. I, I, I don't think I'm lame. I think I, my hair is green, so. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool of me. P versus NP is a question uh, posed by math that says if a computer can easily check the answer of any problem, then it sh- should it be able to easily find the answer to any problem? Something like that. You know what I mean? Ha! Uh, computers. So if you give a computer a problem and then an answer, 
it can check whether that oh, answer like it can is verify correct. It. Yeah, okay. it can verify it. But does that mean that it can solve it itself? And apparently this is an equation somehow. I don't understand how these, like, words... Like, this sounds like a ph- philosophical question. Yeah, but if you ask math people, they're like, math is words and questions, and math is, like, everything. And math is the only thing that we didn't just invent. Math is just out there, and we're just discovering it. Uh-huh. I just don't understand... Like, are they going to write an equation that means yes or no to this question of computer? See, this is why only seven people can figure it out. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> because only ten people can actually understand what it means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, apparently, this is, like, a very interesting problem. And, like you just said, there are not a lot of people can even attempt it. And so, there's this institute um, that provides a $1 million prize to anybody that can solve it. And there's, like, all these other math questions, like... It's like the FBI's top wanted list, but it's this institute's top math wanted list. Mm -hmm. Answering questions like, the rumor come out, does Bruno Mars is gay? (laughs) Um, That kind of thing. So, you know, these guys were weeks or months away from getting a million dollars. Million bucks. And so Joan and Sherlock are like, "Uh uh-huh. So maybe, you know, one of the partners... You know, Felix Soto's partner was like, well, I want a million dollars and not $500,000. Sounds like a million reasons of m- motive. Million. M- million mo- reasons to motive. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I had it in my head and I didn't say it right. A million motives from. Yeah. I, why murder. Did I say I almost said measen. <laughs> murder. <laughs> Tis the measen. Tis the. <laughs> Seasons, measons, everyone. <laughs> uh, okay. So when so seasons, measons. So then Harlan says, "This is a really complicated question. So this guy isn't going to be just working with anybody. There's like you know a handful of people, a handful of mathematicians that are smart enough to tackle this question. And they're like, okay, um, do you know do you know any of them? And he's like, well, I don't really run in those math circles." Which all circles are math circles because <laughs> circumference equals pi times diameter. Pfft, Harlan. But anyway, he says, my friend Tanya Barrett knows like the who's who of she, she, she'll have the, the scoop. She'll have the 411 for you. Now, question for you, Alec. Me. Did you recognize the actress who plays Tanya Barrett? For a split second, I thought she was from that 70s show. And, but that's not right. I don't think she's in that 70s show. But we just watched that series about um, catching the Unabomber, and there was the comparative linguistics professor. Yeah. And she was a woman with dark, long, dark brown hair and yeah. glasses and an ac- academic. But she looked different in this one. Her glasses were, sh- were s- smaller. It makes a world of difference. But this is it's definitely the same woman. What? Yeah. No. She said to her her agent, I don't want to play a role that doesn't necessitate me wearing glasses. (laughs) I want to be the biggest nerd in any show I'm in. Blondes may have all the fun, but brunettes have all the brains. Yeah, we love mathematics and and language, logistical, linguistical, linguini. 
There's a meason for every season. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's Tanya Barrett. So apparently she profiled all of the people that were attempting to solve P versus NP. um, And she... What, for fucking fantasy football league? (laughs) Right? This is weird because they're like, what made you want to interview all of these people? And she goes, oh, for a summer, I tried to uh, uh, solve it. And then I looked up and three years had gone by. And I'm just like, that's not an answer, Tanya. <laughs> that has nothing to do with... The- She's just like, yeah, I tried solving it. Didn't solve it, but I did I did try. Okay, good for you. I could also go three years without solving P versus NP. <laughs> <laughs> I've already done it nine times. <laughs> right? Not impressive. Tanya. Also... <laughs> N equals one. There you guys go. P equals NP. The only way for that to work is if N equals one. P versus NP. Oh, never mind. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be something other than one. (laughs) Okay, fine. N does not equal one. There, solved it. (laughs) The limit does not exist. The limit does not exist. It's because none of these people watch Mean Girls. Oh. Anyway, so she wrote up this whole, like, dissertation or something. She wrote a whole thing about all the people attempting to solve P versus NP. And they, Sherlock's like, oh, you got a copy of it right now? Um, And he takes it and he starts flipping through it. And there's this, like, photograph of this one person's writing. And he's like, Joan, check this shit out. (laughs) And Joan looks at it and she's like, it's a match for the other hand. She's like, it's the dick peas. Yeah. It's the PPPs. (laughs) So they're like, wow, we got a match. And, you know, this is this guy's partner. They've already got a theory that his partner killed him. And so Sherlock calls Sherlock calls Marcus and he's like, we found a really good suspect. <laughs> and Marcus is like, that's awesome. I found another victim that's probably related. So um, let's at the same time, let's count to three and say the name of the people that we discovered at the same time. Because I feel like they do this a lot in this show. Maybe it's only this one time, but, like, anytime somebody, like, calls... Whenever they're like, we found a good suspect. Oh, another victim's been discovered. It's the same it's person. The, it's gonna be the same. So, this other mathematician that they... Whose P's are PP's is named Cyril Nauer. And Marcus Bell is like, yeah, we have a body in the morgue called, named Cyril Nauer. Cyril Nauer later. Now or Never. It's never. He's dead. It's never. He's dead. Also, as they're leaving Tanya Barrett's office, played by the woman who would later play a character in the Unabomber show, Joan looks at Cyril Nauer in the book, and she's like, Cyril Nauer looks like the Unabomber. <laughs> oh. And Sherlock's Co-winky like, Co-winky-dinky? Mm. I thinky naughty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't thinky. <laughs> um, and Sherlock says, well, they're both mathematicians, so... I don't know what Cyril Nauer looked like that made him look like the Unabomber. Shaggy hair and a beard. You look like the Unabomber. Yeah, well, I love math. (laughs) Watch out. (laughs) You don't look like the Unabomber. Thank you. You look like Unibrower. Burn. You know I'm sensitive about it. That's why it's extra burn. (laughs) (laughs) So Sherlock and Joan go to the morgue to look at Cyril Nauer, their number one suspect. Now they got to figure out how this dead guy killed this other dead guy. 
He didn't. We could have. Maybe we have a whole chain of murders happening this episode. And some the person who killed Cyril Nauer gets killed. And then mm-hmm. we, oh, man. That would be... And then the last person was killed by the ghost of the math tutor. Ah! Ah. Mm. That would be a first ghost for for elementary. I'm not saying they don't do it, but they haven't done it so far. This would be the first one. (laughs) Don't want to spoil the ending of the episode. Anyway, so they're in the morgue. And one thing I really like about this is clearly Joan has used her doctor knowledge to like examine the body and stuff because she's taking off some gloves and like washing her hands and like putting lotion on them after like you know like like you would when you're a surgeon and it's just like oh must come in handy to have a detective that can also do autopsies mm-hmm yeah for sure um so they're talking about the evidence and joan says oh they found dog hairs under the arms of uh cyril nower's coat okay so- well that narrows it down our killer uh, has a dog or knows someone with a dog or is a dog Ooh, canine killer <laughs> so sherlock is like oh is there a photo of the hairs and jonah's like yeah sure um they're still trying to figure out what breed it and he goes boston terrier you can tell because the hairs have a cream filling <laughs> the hairs have a little red b on them <laughs> they're wearing tiny red socks <laughs> The hairs are from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> so then Joan is like, hey, we never, um, you never answered me about getting an advance on my shmoney. And Sherlock's like, oh, yeah, who asked you for that? I mean, it's a kind of a lot. Was it somebody related to your dead former patient? <gasps> How does he just know all these things? <laughs> he just knows. He's like, you sm- so every once in a while, you've been doing this regularly since we started working together. Every once in a while, you smell like chrysanthemums but there are never chrysanthemums in the apartment so you know you're going to the the thing and i i like this because he's like i don't mean to pry but you know you went to to see your dead patient and then you tell me that that son of a friend needs five thousand dollars you know it's like i just want to make sure you're not being taken advantage of and the fact that he says like you've been going regularly means he's gone a really long time knowing this and just not not saying anything yeah because he's like this is none of my business and this conversation leads joan to tell sherlock what happened with that patient because you know he detected in the first episode that that's what happened was that she accidentally killed a patient but but that's so vague that could mean anything yeah so she says it was this guy, uh, she starts to tell it and it like, it, he's like on the other side of the, the autopsy table and she starts to tell the story and he like walks over to like stand, like lean near her. And I'm just like, he's being so polite. <laughs> he cares about her. So Joan says it was this guy um, and he was going in for a pretty straightforward surgery to do something. I don't remember what it was, but um during the surgery, she, like, nicked a vein in his heart, his vena cava. Um, do you know where this is? You took some anatomy classes. Yeah, it's in the heart. Okay. So she nicked it, and then apparently in a couple seconds, his abdomen was, was totally full of blood. And Lucy Liu does a very good job of acting in this scene. She's, you know, you can tell it's like she still hasn't really gotten over it. Um, Which would explain why she 
continuously visits the grave. Right, right, exactly. And she says, before he got the surgery, we talked a lot. He was a really great guy. He was a dock worker. And that just reminds me that in the in the pilot episode, when Sherlock figures out that she's visiting a patient, she said he says uh, something about the the cemetery he the cemetery she goes to is like a pauper's cemetery. It's like not fancy, mm. Mm. and <clears throat> that fits with you know this guy being a dock worker, his kid needing a scholarship to be able to go to college. Yeah. Um, this is a little detail that I thought was interesting. Um, I like that they have that continuity. Yeah, me too. It's nice. So after the guy died, Joan says um, his wife did what most people do in her situation and sued Joan. And during this malpractice trial, you know, this woman goes on the stand and says all these horrible things about Joan. And she's like, as you can imagine, it was not fun. Mm. Um but afterwards, Joey, the son, sent me a letter saying, like, I forgive you. It wasn't your fault. Well, one or the other of those. Um, you know, all this nice stuff. And she's like, you know, at the time it meant a lot. So that's her relationship to this guy, Joey. And Sherlock says, is this the first time that he's come to you and asked for money? And Joan says, no. When he was going to college, he needed transportation. And so I... Bought him a car. Yeah. And what with his dad being dead, his mom needed him at the house a lot. He had to go back and forth. Like, you can just imagine the, like, emotional toll that conversation would have had on her. Like, you know. So now, Belle does want Sherlock to come along. He texts or calls or something. He invites them to Cyril Nauer's apartment. And he's like... I was inspired by you, Sherlock. I was thinking about the great discovery you made and how handsome you looked in your sweater. <laughs> uh, no, he doesn't say any of that. But he's like, I the thing with the UV light, you know, I was looking at all of their lamps to see if any of them had black bulbs. And I, they didn't, but one of them had a bug in it. So he, like, shows it to... Like a cockroach? Ew! That's worse than... Surveillance. <laughs> yeah, he, he just goes, one had a bug! Yeah. It they, was icky! And they both hug him, make him feel better. <laughs> no. Um, so now there's a team in there that's like the bug unit that sw- is sweeping for the bugs. For the They're called exterminators, babe. <laughs> <laughs> and they're looking for bugs in the rest of the apartment. So... Because doubtless, if he has one bug, he's got one in every room, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're dealing with someone that's not a complete amateur. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, whoever put that bug in our lamp. <laughs> yeah. You think you think the important conversations happen in the living room? <laughs> uh, no. No, when we have to look at my boil is in the bathroom. <laughs> so, if you want to know what the contents of it are... You gotta put the bug in there. Anyway, so Sherlock looks around, because they're on the sidewalk right now, outside of the apartment. And Sherlock, you know, perks his nose up like a little doggy, and he's looking around, and he sees a a little tree of surveillance cameras across the street. So, like, you know, like those little posts with a bunch of surveillance cameras on them. And he's like, ha-ha, this one's probably surveilling uh, Cyril Nauer, too. And Belle is like, it's across the street. And they belong to the city. So, no, I don't think that they're put there to surveil just Cyril Nauer. And Sherlock's like, well, but that one's pointed directly at his apartment. 
So... So that's super suspicious. Mm-hmm. And he... So there's this... They're on this post that's like, you know, 10 feet tall. And he calls a taxi. And a taxi pulls up and parks right in front of where he is. You know, stops right in front of where he is. And he opens the door. It's like a minivan. He, like, pulls open the door. And then climbs up. And climbs on top of the taxi. The driver gets out and he's like... What are you doing? <laughs> Sherlock's like, I'll give you 20 bucks to just sit here. Don't move your car. Don't move. Yeah. For like two minutes. And when he calls the taxi, Marcus is like, where are you going? And he goes, up. <laughs> Uptown? Upstate? <laughs> no. J- up about five feet. Up post. <laughs> so. So Sherlock's on top of the taxi and he reaches up and pulls off a bug off the security camera. Mm. Somebody's been hacking into it. Yes. And spying on Sierra. So it's a, it's called a signal jumper, he says. And it's attached to the camera. Well, well we, we call it a, a signal sweater in the States. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's a, there's this signal sweater that <laughs> hacks into the little, you know, mainframe of the camera and um, reroutes the camera footage or the data or whatever to another location and he's like and the good thing about that is you can trace where it's being sent because it's got to be connected to a receiving location so this signal sweater is being sent to row encryption technology now isn't row like um fish eggs i i don't know r-o-e R-O-E. Just Googled it. It says the mass of eggs contained in the ovaries of a female fish or shellfish, typically including the ovaries themselves, especially when ripe and used as food. And that's roe? That's roe. Ha, huh, look at you, roe. <laughs> oh, or the ripe testes of a male fish, especially when used as food. It's equality. Ariana Grande voice, it's equality. So they go to roe encryption technology, and I love the way that this happens. They always go to a place and they talk to, like, the guy. The CEO. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally like at Row Encryption Technologies and he's like, hello, you had questions for me? I'm Mr. Roe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're like, um, do you know anything about Cyril Nauer? Were you, or they say, you know, were you surveilling Cyril Nauer? And he's like, who? who? Beryl Cower? I've never heard that name before. <laughs> what, is that a person? And they're like, really? So you didn't kill him? And he's like, wait, Cyril Nauer is dead? And they're like, oh, so uh, you do know him. So you do, you're just plain dumb. And he's like, just plain dumb. You're just plain dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm a big dummy. I'll explain in my office. No, so they go into the office and he says, okay, so we were spying on him, but we wouldn't kill him. Well, we didn't kill him. We didn't kill him. And they're like, well, why are, why were you spying on him then? You know, you didn't want to, you didn't want to kill him and take his discovery of P versus NP. And he's like, no, we didn't want the million dollar prize. P versus NP for us is worth tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Because P versus NP, like we were saying earlier in the episode, is about, you know, can computers solve a problem if they can test an answer for a problem or something? And what that means in practical terms is encryption would go out the window. Mm-hmm. If, if you had a program that could 
solve this P versus NP thing, you could solve any encryption and get past any security and... Mm -hmm. And yeah, and you could, you know, you'd have to write computer programming based on whatever algorithm they come up with, but you could do, you could hack any encryption. So as an encryption technology company, Mr. Rowe and his company are very interested in P versus NP, um, not because they want to get rid of it, but because they want to buy it off of whoever solves it so they can like figure out a way to not be reverse engineer np versus p encryption <laughs> right yeah exactly exactly they want to be proof 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 squared yeah and then Roe says you know we had high hopes um we had high hopes for Cyril Nauer and Felix Soto the dead guys but they weren't close we thought they were months, weeks or months away. They weren't even close to being done. And Sherlock and Joan and Bella are like, well, that's not what we heard. Why, why do you say that? And he's like, well, because we sent their discoveries to an expert and she said it was bunk. She said they were, you know, they, they weren't doing, they didn't have it at all. And they were like, oh, yeah, who's your expert? And it's Tanya Barrett. Oh, shoot. Tanya, why do you lie? I always, I always find this part of uh, detective mysteries like interesting when it's like, but we know he couldn't have done it because the witness said it wasn't him. It's like, yeah, but the witness was in on it. <gasps> you know? Yeah. So he's like, we sent it to an expert. I'm like, yeah, but your expert had a ulterior motive. So they go back to Tanya and they're like, like I just said, Tanya, why do you lie? And she's like, okay, sorry that I lied. And this is actually, they're so suspicious of her now. This is, this is an interrogation. This is an, you know, an interview in the, in the interrogation room. So they're like, she's like, yes, I lied to, and said that, um, they weren't close to P versus NP, but I did that because I knew that Roe would want to buy the solution off of, the two of them, and that they didn't want to sell it. So I, like, told him, oh, no, you should forget about them, to back him off. And they're like, that's very interesting, but you also um, have a pet license for a Boston Terrier and a gun license for a Boston Terrier. <laughs> so you're very suspicious. Um, and, you know, it's the same kind of gun that was used to kill the guy. And then she says... I don't have that gun anymore. It was stolen months ago. And, you know, Joan and Sherlock are like, uh-huh. Yeah, or maybe you just reported it stolen so you'd have a gun alibi. Uh-huh. Exactly. No, very... Also, how do you get a gun stolen? Just the gun? Like, was it in your house? Where, was, did someone take it out of your purse while you were peeing? <laughs> yeah, they broke into your apartment and stole... Your gun from your secret gun compartment and your TV, because it was right there. <laughs> that would be funny if she went to a cafe and went to the bathroom. And then when she came back, the gun was gone and also her lunch date was gone. <laughs> and she's like, no, that's why you learn karate, because no one can steal karate from your mind while you're in the bathroom. Mm. Unless they knock you out and make you karate amnesic. <laughs> it's more common than you would think. So Tanya's like, okay, fine. You don't like my gun alibi. But I was having dinner with a friend the night of the murder, so I couldn't have done it. And they're like, uh-huh. And she's like, his name is Wayne Kanashiro. You can talk to him. Just an imaginary friend. <laughs> right. 
I was having... I was having a tea party with... (laughs) (laughs) I was having dinner with my best friend, a.k.a. a bottle of wine. Am I right, ladies? (laughs) And they're like, you're going to jail. (laughs) So they talk to Wayne Kaneshiro, and he alibis her. But then they also get security cam footage from the restaurant on, on the night of the murder. And they're watching it. And and first of all, they start watching it, and Sherlock is like, I spot two underage drinkers and a bartender stealing from the till and an affair in progress. Good for you, Mr. Show-Off Holmes. <laughs> Show-Off Holmes. What are you, a realtor? <laughs> um, yeah, this is like, he's not getting points for this. He doesn't get extra credit. But he's like... um, but can we get to the alibi part? So they, they fast forward to when um, Wayne and Tanya get to the restaurant. And then they fast forward through them being at the restaurant. And they're like fully in view the entire time. It's not like, oh, she's sitting behind a pillar. But she's there. Um, and they watch and she, you know, the the murder happened at like 830. Something like that. And they're at the restaurant from 730 to 1030. So it's a solid alibi. It's a very solid alibi. I was going to say it's a salad alibi, but... It could be. Decide against it. Well, I wish you hadn't. I'm glad that you decided to tell me. You Can I say it like it's my joke? <laughs> yeah. You could say, if they had a full course meal, it was a salad alibi. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Oh, please. Oh, stop. Oh. Stop clapping. All right. <clears throat> and then I, put, I edit the clapping into the podcast all right so some time passes i guess and joan at the brownstone goes down or up the stairs to where sherlock is and he's staring at his wall of evidence and doing sit-ups and um joan is like oh so you won't go for a run across the run next to the river but you'll do sit-ups looking at a wall at 2 a.m and sherlock's like well i need to stimulate my brain and calisthenics does that because bell just texted that wayne kanashiro did alibi tanya and so we have no leads and also the river smells like rancid cod so that's a great thing about living in the city is that like all of the nicest looking places always smell horrible (laughs) like oh we're gonna go for a nice walk outside next to all the trash cans Let's oh look at the look at this goose on the side of the Charles in a big pile of plastic trash. Cool. I, this is this is of course for those wondering at home. This is the the part of the episode where Sherlock is shirtless and um, he's taking a page out of Harlan's book mm-hmm. and he needs you know nothing between him and the clues. Exactly because having a shirt on was not has not gotten him anywhere. Joan is like, what's with the nerd brigade? Why do they say these things about these people? They're just people with glasses and maybe plaid shirts or something. Yeah, and they like math. <laughs> that is true. He should have, instead of putting the clues, the pictures of the suspects on the wall, put them in a locker. Shove them in a locker. <laughs> <laughs> no. So he's like, this is my wall of suspects now that Tanya is eliminated. Uh, but all of them are alibied. So... So Joan is like, so none of them are suspects? And Sherlock is like, now you understand why I'm doing push-ups at 2am. Sit-ups at 2 a.m. Okay, Joan. Thanks. And then um, they start talking. They're, they're talking about something. 
and Sherlock starts doing uh, jump push-ups where you like push up and clap. And uh, he does a couple of those. And then he goes to stand up and he does a burpee to stand up. And I just, I appreciate the fact that Johnny Lee Miller probably had to do that like 15 times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like 50, had to do 15 clapping push-ups. Yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, damn, Johnny, you've been working out? <laughs> Get ready for this one scene. Yeah. And his, his chest says, yes, mm-hmm. yes. The sweat on his chest says that. So now Sherlock says, I have decided to advance you the money, um, even though I don't, yeah, I don't think that against my better judgment, I'm going to advance you the money. And Joan's like, what do you, why do you mean against your better judgment? And he's like, you don't find it coincidental that you and this guy's son went to his grave the day after his birthday? And Joan's like, well, yeah, it's a little coincidental, but, you know, so what? And Sherlock is is like, listen, I just, I, I think he's taking advantage of you. I know a lot about poisons, and I know a lot about breeds of birds, and I know a lot about rock sizes, and I know a lot about cigarette ash, and I know a lot, he knows a lot of stuff. Um, what he actually says is, I know a lot about toxins, and guilt is the most powerful one of all. Very dramatic. And she says, are you going to give me the money or not? Which, Joan, he already said that he would. <laughs> so, but he says... Yeah, it's in that shoebox over there. Mm-hmm. And he's in the kitchen now. Uh, and she's like, Sherlock, there's... She looks in the box and she's like, Sherlock, there's $20,000 in here. What? what, what I, I said five. And he's like, yeah, this is... If you give him $20,000... You can just be like, take this and never talk to me again. <laughs> like, never ask me for money again. Uh, you can use that money to buy him out of your life, you know? And um, Joan is conflicted, I think, by this proposal. And Sherlock looks really cute. <laughs> I don't know why. He just does. Something about the framing of this this shot. He looks nice. And he says, you know, just take the money, you know, do with it what you... Don't worry about it being a lot of money. Like, consider it my gift to you. You know, buying this kid out of your life is my gift to you. Plus, I'm Sherlock Holmes, and I don't give a shit about money. Yeah. So they go back to talking about the case, and Joan is like, could the gun maybe be, like... Joan says, like, maybe an accomplice actually did the murder, but Tanya, like, had the dinner to alibi herself. And Sherlock's like, yeah, but why would she use her own gun for that? Like, it's so easily traced back to her. And then they're like, oh, so easily traced back to her. Maybe that's the point. Maybe it's a frame job. So they go to Tanya. So the next day, Sherlock goes to, to Tanya. And she's like, can you stop um, harassing me? And he says, well, you know, I'm sorry for that. But you are a very alluring su- suspect. Maybe that's on purpose. Maybe you wear tight shirts because you know people like to see. No, Um Maybe you're an alluring suspect because you've been framed. Mm. Maybe somebody used the your gun or a gun that was like yours so that you would look suspicious. Is there anybody that you might have made an enemy of? Is there anybody that's mad at you? And Tanya's like, no. No, this is crazy. And Sherlock's like, okay, so that's a yes. And... Tanya says, okay, my 
ex-boyfriend did send me, like, mean emails after we broke up. But I thought he was just blowing off steam and, you know, I, I didn't think of any- anything of it. And Sherlock's like, well, why don't you let me be the judge of that? Why don't you send me those emails? So apparently the emails do say something because they bring Jason in. Jason, the ex-boyfriend. And they're like, hey, Jason, did you do it? Did you kill Felix Soto and Cyril Lauer? And he's like, Felix Bodo and Sneerl Bauer? I don't... What is that? Are those people? I never heard of them. And Bella's like, um... Tanya gave us these emails that you wrote where you're complaining about being dragged along to interviews with Cyril Nauer and Felix Soto and you name them and it says that you met them and that you think she cares more about them than your relationship. So that's very suspicious of you. And Jason's like, I didn't write these emails. And Sherlock's like, oh yeah, and you didn't order a bunch of 9mm ammo either for a 9mm gun, which happens to be the murder weapon. Okay. I don't think a 9mm gun is a thing. What? What is it? Millimeter is the bullet size. So it's a 9mm gun. A gun. The fire is a 9... I don't know. I I have no idea. Hmm. I shouldn't say anything. I have no idea. Well, they don't call a crossbow an arrow gun. (laughs) But they should. (laughs) So you do have a point. Just like an arrow hit. Okay. It's late... So they don't really get anywhere with this interview with Jason because he's like, I don't, I didn't, I don't recognize it. Like, I didn't write this. But they heard that, remember the guy that was a vegetable? The mugger. The mugger. At the beginning of the episode. At the beginning of the episode who didn't want any trouble. He is awake against all odds. What? That's why they didn't kill him off at the beginning of the episode. Phew. So they go in to, to talk to him and he's like, yeah, I remember who shot me. She's about five six, brown hair, and they're like, "She, she, it's a lady." And he's like, "Uh, yeah, I was looking right at her. I know it's her. She had glasses. She looked like that woman that was in that episode of the Unabomber show." (laughs) And Sherlock brings up a picture of her and shows it to him on the phone, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely her." So the mugger has ID Tanya. And the police do some more investigating, and the dog DNA that they found, the dog hairs on Cyril Nauer, match the DNA of Tanya's dog. But they're back at the Brownstone, and Joan and Sherlock are talking about this. Oh, no, they're not at the Brownstone. They're, at, they're in the police conference room. It's not important, but I like to be consistent with these facts. So they're like, she has an alibi, but her dog hair is on there, but she has a motive, but she doesn't have a gun, or maybe she does have a gun. They're, they're running in circles, basically. So they decide to talk about something else. Um, so Sherlock is like, so are you gonna, um, are you gonna tell Joey to, to scram, to beat it? You know, are you gonna buy him out of your life? And Joan is like, no, but $22,000 could buy you a lot. Something like that. I don't, I don't remember how this conversation goes exactly, but it's like, you know, they're talking about this money and how it's a lot. And he says, yeah, you could buy 8,800 beers with that much money. And I was like, oh, am I going to have to do math to figure out, like, how much that is per beer for the podcast? Nope, the writers did it for you. Yeah, and then, like, two seconds later, Joan is like, wait, two fifty for a beer? Uh, and he's like, yeah, that's what this guy paid. So there's on this, they're watching the security cam footage again, I guess. And he's like, you know, this guy puts a $10 bill down and then gets four beers in return. And Joan is like, 
that's happy hour prices. Um, and Sherlock's like, maybe the beer just sucks. <laughs> She's like, yeah, even if it's shitty beer, it's New York shitty beer. <laughs> it doesn't affect the prices. So it's still going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, wait, you know, this this is happy hour prices. Also, I don't even think that's just New York. I don't know if you could go fucking anywhere and get a beer on a on a fucking Thursday night for two fifty. Yeah, I don't I don't think you could. I'm thinking all the only experience I have buying alcohol was like in England buying Jaeger bombs for five pounds. <laughs> but even then, that's not five dollars. And also, that has nothing to do with this. But they're like, it's happy hour prices, but the timestamp says that it's 7.30 to 10.30. And everyone knows happy hour is like 4.30 to 6.30. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, baby! And then they're like, wait a minute, that's what the timestamp says. The digital timestamp. <gasps> We're believing the computer when computers can lie! So they go... To do a lecture hall room reveal. So they go to Tanya Barrett. And they're like, she's like doing math on the board. And Sherlock's like, oh, you forgot to carry the one. (laughs) Just kidding. Little math joke. So Tanya. Tanya is the killer. (gasps) Let's explain. Oh, her number's up. (laughs) We added the clues up and they came, they equaled out to you. Yours was better. So basically... Tanya solved P versus NP, and she partnered up with a hacker to use that algorithm, you know, not to hand it in for the Millennium Prize, but to hack a bunch of banks and stuff, their online encryption, and get all the money. Because if you just make the computer say that you have the money, then you have the money. But it's like Ro said, where you, it's not just like you put in P versus NP and the computer's like, I know all the passwords now. Like, you have to program some thing to to unencrypt all the stuff and that takes a while so when she learned that you know the guys who are both now dead the two mathematicians were getting really close to solving p versus np that was bad for her and her hacker friend because they still needed more time to make these programs and if row encryption or the public in general learned that p versus np had been solved you know, they would start changing their encryption. It would become it would be a whole thing where they would be trying to combat this. So to to buy themselves more time, she killed three people or killed two people and tried to kill a third person. Cool. Um, and they know this for sure because her dinner date, Wayne Kaneshiro, is the hacker. And as soon as they re- they told him that he had perjured himself by saying that he was her alibi. He rolled and told them everything. Which, is perjury really that big of a charge? Y- yes. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't want to go to jail for perjury, however much time that is. Plus all the other stuff that goes with it. I mean, lying for someone that committed a murder makes, makes you, you an accessory. Yeah. Good point. Good point. But we got him. We got her. The Unabomber accompling uh, 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 woman did it. Which, crazy enough, is also the ending to the Unabomber show. <laughs> so now it's time for some some personal stuff, some private life things. Joan and Joey are back at the diner, and 
Joey's like, so the money though? Can I have it? And Joan is like, I have decided to invest in you, not in your bar at all. I'm going to give you a bunch of money to finish your degree. And he's like, wait, so you have the money, but you'll only give it to me if I do what you think I should do? And she's like, this is what I'm comfortable. This is the only help I'm comfortable giving. So this scene is hard to convey because it's very kind of like this very delicate balance of like, he is getting frustrated that she won't give him the money. And he's trying to make it seem like she's, it's because she wants to control his life. But she's like, you know, I want to honor your dad. And your dad was really excited about you going to college and, and you becoming an engineer and was really happy for you that you had gotten that scholarship. So, you know, he even says that he, lost the scholarship because he dropped out of college because it got too much with his dad dying and stuff. So does that make sense? You know, like, but she says, you know, if you, I'll support you in anything you do. If you open a bar, it'll be my new watering hole. I'll, I'll do any, you know, but the only money I feel comfortable giving you anymore is this money to finish your degree. So if you, if you don't want to do that, then. Then guess I'm keeping 22 grand. <laughs> so now Joan goes home. And she's at the brownstone and Sherlock is looking at the wall and he's got the projection up of P versus NP. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm taking one last look before the NSA takes everything related to P versus NP, including Tanya Barrett, apparently, um, for, you know, national security reasons. So I think that means P versus NP is just never going to be released. Is that what that means? Well, hopefully. That's what the NSA wants. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's still other people that could be working on it. True. Or they're going to, the NSA is going to work on anti-encryption or anti-anti-encryption to combat it. Anyway, yeah. um, Sherlock says that he thinks Joan's offer to Joey was a good one. It, you know, demonstrated her goodwill while not letting her be beholden to her guilt anymore and you know, showing him that she supports him, but isn't just going to be like his personal ATM. And she's like, yeah, he said he would think about it, but I don't think I'm ever going to hear from him again. But you do know that if he had taken that money, I would have paid you back all of it. And Sherlock is like, I, I, do, I do not care about money in the, in the way that only extremely rich people can say. He's like, money means about as much to me as collecting Hummel figurines. So don't worry about it. And I like that, I like that this is his attitude with money because it's very, it makes him very generous. You know, he gives the taxi driver $20 to just park there for a minute, but it, it's funny. It's a, it's very, it, sh it really shows how much money his family has. But he's like, just take it. I don't, what do I care with $22,000? What's $22,000 between friends? <laughs> and the reason that that's the amount that he gave her is because that's all of the cash he could he had on hand that he could find. Um, and now the last little moment of, of character development, he says to Joan, you know, I'd like to go with you next time. The next time you go to the cemetery, because, you know, his, that man's death was, that man's death changed the course of your life dramatically. And he seems to have made a big impact on you as a person as well. And I, I'd like to go and pay my respects. It just is, it's very sweet. It's so sweet. I mean, imagine Sherlock from two years ago doing that. It never. It's a really sweet moment. 
And Joan has a, fa- a look on her face like, well, that was really, that was really good of you. Sure. All right. So that's the end of the elementary episode. But it's not the end of the LMNOP episode. Because we got a Twitter and a Tumblr people can send questions to. So it's twitter.com slash LMNOPcast or LMNOPcast.tumblr.com. You can send in uh, messages or replies or asks, whatever you want. Um, this week, we have a question from a very good friend of the show, Alex from online at Leaf Crunch on Twitter. And she asks, solve for X, the title of the episode, is an anagram or anagrams to Solver Fox. What if Sherlock was a silver fox? Alternatively, what if Sherlock was an anthropomorphic fox? Now, first question for me to you is which would you prefer? Well, I know a lot of people growing up had a big crush on Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Of foxy Sherlock Holmes. It's like what Sherlock says to Joan, oh, you think you're foxy? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, Sherlock, do you think you're foxy? You could be. And if he was an anthropomorphic fox... Balto, stop licking the mic. And if he was an anthropomorphic fox, he would still solve mysteries, and he would be a solver fox. Mm. So, yeah. I think he could look great with gray hair, and I think Johnny Lee Miller will look great with gray hair, but his hair is so thin on the top, I don't know that it's going to go gray before it just leaves entirely. Yeah, it'll be more of a gray beard kind of thing. (laughs) And we will support him no matter what. What if his chest hair was gray? (laughs) I'm picturing it. And his forearm, but not bicep hair. (laughs) That's the only question that we had this week. Now, as I said before, our Twitter has that lovely screenshot of Sherlock expertly smiling. But there's also a pinned tweet on our Twitter that is our Discord, which we would love it if you joined. We would also love it if you gave us a little reviewsies on iTunes. You know, preferably a good one, but do what your heart tells you. We want to thank... A website that we are hosted by, noisepace.xyz, where you can find a lot of podcasts. We also want to thank Noah Geist at Owl Dude on Twitter for our intro song, and Summer Geist at Stellar Ghost on Twitter for our pod art. I'm Val Flight Cub. You can find me on Twitter at Flight Cub B. The second B stands for Mathematic. And Alec, where can they find you? You can find me. But only in your darkest hour of need. As always, this marble will keep on rolling. Goodbye. Game Boy. She's watching the detectives. Ooh, he's so cute. She's watching the detectives.